You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Did you know that most Americans live for 18 years after they retire? And 80% of Americans aged 30 through 54 aren't confident that they have enough money for retirement? If you looked in your retirement account today, are you confident that you're on pace for a healthy retirement? If not, or if you want to improve your position, you don't want to miss this episode. Joining me on the, this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show is Deborah Owens, CEO of Owens Media Group and author of A Purse of Her Own. She's America's wealth coach, and she's very, very knowledgeable on the field of financial planning and retirement savings. In this episode, she'll share tips on retirement planning, wealth building, and becoming a better leader no matter your seat in the organization. Hello, Deborah, and welcome to the Business Life and Coffee Show. It's my pleasure to be here, Joey. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And Deborah, I want to talk this episode about retirement and about your expertise as CEO of Owens Media Group. We want to talk about retirement planning in general, but also talk a little bit about your background, how you started your company and and your outlook on, on goals. Uh, goal setting and resolutions. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's first dive in. And are you a New Year's resolution kind of person? I am, but not uh, one of the things that I really encourage people to do is to create what I call their wealthy vision for the year. It's something that I've done intuitively since I was a child. In fact, I shared on a recent webinar that process, and it really is a process that I use with our wealth coaching clients. Like we have a, we offer wealth coaching, and basically what that coaching is designed to do is to help people gain the knowledge, expertise, and confidence so that they can take ownership of their financial success. And the actual process is based on a framework that we use in our training called the seven wealthy habits. And the first habit is having a wealthy outlook. And so you can imagine outlook is sort of the way you make your world, your way in the world and how you view the world. We call it the habit of adding value. And so if you just, if you just think about the word value, Value in a monetary sense means something's worth and it increasing in worth. But but when you think about your own life, those values are those things that you deem important. And so that's where I believe everyone should start in the goal setting or resolution process, right? And that is what's really important to you, whether it be family, financial security, your faith. And then connecting whatever goals you say you you uh, create 
to what you deem as important. I think oftentimes that's what gets people off track is they really haven't connected what it is they're trying to accomplish to what is important in their lives. Deborah, that's a great point, especially when you think about motivation and when you're trying to stick to a goal when times are tough. I I 100% agree with you about tying your motivations or your your why, basically, combining your why with the how. Because otherwise, like you say, can we can give up. I'm starting a fast and uh, I have to remind myself when I'm tempted by burgers and, and milkshakes and, and sweets, you know, the why behind what I'm doing so that I can make that conscious decision to say no to the steak or no to the burger. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the best managers I ever had, one of the best leaders I ever worked for really was a master at helping people, well, in helping his staff or team members stay on track. And one of the methods that he used was really first understanding what was important to them and then aligning what they felt was important to the objectives of the organization. And that's why I think it's so critical. You know, just a short story. When I started with this manager, he, I was a manager trainee and I was, uh, uh, went from Detroit to San Francisco. And I thought I was going to be in this office of all of these very polished and credentialed salespeople. When in fact, they were a very eclectic group, yet they were the top in the country. And there was one person in particular who was the top salesperson who would go off the reservation. And what I mean by that, like he might not come in for a couple of days. And, you know, if that were me, I would have immediately fired him. And yet when he would come back in the office, uh, when, he, when he would return, he'd go in the office with the leader, the, the, my manager, and he'd be in there about an hour. He'd come back out and he'd be right back up on the leaderboard. And I said to him, I said, wow, I said, what happens after it happened a couple of times? I said, well, what happens when you go, when you take him in the office? He says, oh, I just remind him. And I said, remind him of what? And he says, I just remind him of what he said was important to him. And he had had a goal of getting into a larger home and having a mother-in-law suite, which was what was some, some of the things that were going on emotionally in his personal life. And so that really stuck with me as I went on. I spent a career in investment management and managing sales advisors, financial consultants. And in my own leadership roles, that was a strategy or methodology that I held on to as a leader because uh, one of the things I believe is that you cannot motivate anyone, that you have to find their internal motivation. So, Deborah, it's not about having a particular management style per se, but it's about adapting to the team around you or the not so much the team below you, but the, the team that you that you're in charge of, of, of leading. Absolutely. So if what and so now what 
a lot of our training that we do at Owens Media Group is about just that coaching. So if you think about the coaching methodology, that's exactly what it does, right? It, it's not a you telling someone what to do. It's you helping them discover what to do. And so it's not you advising any longer. It's you helping someone gain clarity for what their vision is and what they want to accomplish in their lives and helping them and giving them the accountability and support needed to achieve what they say they want. And I think that is, that is what we're seeing in terms of a trend, even as we look at traditional management roles, what you're seeing is many very large organizations shifting from a very autocratic management style, like situational leadership, and to helping leaders become coaches and help people be the best they can be. So then you can really help people perform at their highest potential. So Deborah, you bring up a great point about the, this this new wave of leadership here. And I want to just throw out a buzzword for you and and see your thoughts on it. The multi-generational workplace. We're kind of, you know, sidebarring from our original conversation here, but I think you've got a lot of insight. These This new leadership approach, do you think that it's, it's purely for the millennials that are demanding this type of leadership or do these sort of leadership principles add value regardless of whichever demographic or which age bucket or which category you fall in? Absolutely. I think it applies. I think that what we have seen is, I think technology is one of the underpinnings leading this change in the way we manage people. It is no longer required for an individual to necessarily be on site any longer. Technology allows a great deal more flexibility. And so with that, a management style that is, you know, autocratic where you're managing people, well, because of the virtual kinds of workplaces that we all work in, whether it's, you know, conducting a webinar online or maybe someone telecommuting, really requires a different management style. So is that the millennial driving that? I don't think so. I think what's driving that really is technology. And so that organizations and their management and leadership styles are having to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. So it's an evolution of the workplace and not just the the nagging of millennials saying we need we need to be coddled or babied or, or anything like that. Well, no, I mean, I, you know, I enjoy working with millennials, work with millennials and generation Xers, one of them is a producer uh, for our organization right now. And what I like is the perspective that they bring to the dynamics in the workplace. They, you know, millennials saw their parents and how hard they worked and how the loyalty that was once rewarded no longer was rewarded because they saw many of their parents be downsized, you know, no longer have sort of that work for life continuum. And so their perspective 
is different. So they don't bring to the workplace that kind of sense of loyalty or staying in one place one time because if they were to really look at the outcome from that, they they don't see real benefit. And then coupled with the fact that millennials are coming out of college, which with, in many cases with a lot more debt and responsibility than their parents have. And so that those different, what do I want to call them, economic impacts are changing the perspective of the worker. Let's go ahead and dive into that now. You talked about the debt and it plays a big role into retirement and retirement planning because let's face it, there's only so many dollars to go around for housing, for student loan debt, for credit card debt for, you know, the trip overseas or even the trip out of town. And it's very hard to save for retirement. And if you're if you're just listening or if you fast forwarded, we're joined with Deborah Owens, who is America's wealth coach, and she is the CEO of Owens Media Group, located here in Columbia, Maryland, but travels across the country. We're talking about retirement now. And why is it so hard? I know the economy itself, but what are some of the, the personal reasons why it's hard to save aggressively for retirement? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I just wrote an article on LinkedIn and it's called, and it was called, should we blow up the 401k? Because in fact, the four, <laughs> did you see it? Well, you know, it's, in fact, the 401k was not designed to be a full retirement plan. It really was designed to supplement other retirement benefits. So, you know, if you look at, at the father of the 401k, Ted Bennett, he now says 30 years later, he took was which wasn't sort of arcane language in the tax code and was able to create what are called defined uh, defined contribution plans or 401ks or 403bs, what we know them as, depending upon if you work in the public or private sector. But I mean, the fact is 60% of people at that time had a pension plan, meaning that they were covered by a a retirement benefit that was fully funded by their retirement. And the 401k really was designed as a supplement for that to encourage people to save additional for their retirement. Now, fast forward 30 years later, and only 4% of people are covered by a defined benefit plan or a pension plan. And so to that end, the reason it has gotten so much more challenging saving for retirement is because not everyone is even covered by an employer-sponsored plan, whether it be a 401k plan or a defined pension plan. And people, I mean, the average uh, student is coming out with $30,000 in student loan debt versus, you know, people weren't carrying that kind of debt coming out of college 20 years ago. So couple that with the fact that, okay, so if you're a parent and you're paying off debt, plus maybe you have children and you want to save for their college, where where is the discretionary income within the budget that will really allow you to do that? That really is the challenge, what I call the new financial normal. And I really think, you know, if you're a parent listening to this program or if you are someone who is considering 
a graduate school, I really think people need to be much more strategic about taking on uh, student loan debt because what we're seeing is is that it's very difficult to see the kinds of returns on investment that college used to provide. You know, really before it was uh, the more the more education you got. Typically, the more that translated into earning a higher income, and the numbers are just the stats, the statistics aren't showing that anymore. I mean, the average college student coming out of college right now is earning about $30,000 a year. Now, where are you going to find within that $30,000 of the money? And we're not even taking about, so what your take home is maybe two thirds of that $20,000 to really finance that student loan debt. Yeah, I'm looking at a number here that says the current average student loan debt for graduates from a four-year college and university is $26,000. And that's that's a lot. I mean, that's more than a, a typical car these days. And it's hard enough to pay those off. But when you think about paying student loans for almost a lifetime and, and, and getting a house, it's it seems pretty like a, a, a tough deal. Yes. And so what, so in, in this environment, And one of the things I want to do is invite your listeners, if they want to go to my website, which is DebraOwens.com, to sign up for our newsletters so that they'll be really invited to some of the webinars that I've conducted on this topic. And one of the webinars that I've been, and the talks that I've been doing around the country is really a thought leader piece, and it's called The New Financial Normal. And basically is what worked in the past is will not work in the future. This is not our parents' economy. And yet no one is being told how to make the shift, right? The shift to you becoming an owner, taking ownership of your financial success. And and sometimes what it requires is for you to think a little differently about even home ownership, you know, before we were told get as big a mortgage as we can so we can get the tax deduction. When in reality, what we need to be thinking about is what is going to be the quick, quickest way to eliminate that mortgage by the time we retire. You know, we were told that get as much education that we can and it'll all work, that that college loan debt was good debt. I even heard that, you know, being conveyed. Well, you're a parent and you're, you, you need to think more strategically if you don't have savings once your child is, when your child is preparing to go to school, maybe then you need to be thinking about that child taking college credit courses during high school or doing the first two years in a community college so that they aren't saddled with that debt. And I think the biggest thing that we're seeing now is retirees are having their social security checks garnished if they have uh, defaulted on student loans. And many times those are personal plus loan or parent plus loans or what they're, they're called. And so here it is 30 years later and in retirement, you're being saddled with debt and, and impacting you financially. So I guess that's my long way of saying is that this new financial normal requires a different approach and sort of those rules of thumbs or that financial wisdom that we're given simply doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah, so patience and strategy seem to be the 
the the focus here and and i i'd maybe i'd say look before you leap you know before you sign off on on those loans maybe think about it think about what that might mean on the back end of it <laughs> well i want to take it one step further and and i don't want to say think about it i want to say crunch the numbers right do a cost benefit analysis and i think that you know if we look at home ownership and if we look at college getting back to what we deem is important in our values, there's a, an emotional connection to that, right? Because a college could be a dream that we always had for our child. That home could be, oh, the dream that we always had to create that, that environment for our family. And so the whole, the framework that we use, the seven wealthy habits uh, framework, really is around the attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors of financially successful people. So sometimes our belief can be so strong, it can cause us to act irrationally when it comes to making financial decisions. Deborah, do do we have time to go through the seven tips, the seven habits you have, and any other recommendations you have to help our listeners keep their resolution of saving or starting to save for retirement? Oh, absolutely. So I'll do it real. I'll go through those seven habits really briefly. And if they want to learn more about them, it's easy. Just go to my website, DebraOwens.com, which is D-E-B-O-R-A-H Owens.com. And one other thing is my book, Nickel and Dime, Your Way to Wealth is a great primer. If you want to understand how to take ownership of your financial success, it's a great little book about a parking attendant who amassed a million dollars portfolio, but he never made more than $12 an hour in in his entire working career. And so that really is to inspire folks to know that anybody can build wealth. And so if you look at the framework of the seven wealthy habits, they're really the attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors of financially successful people that I researched for my most recent book, A Purse of Your Own. And the first habit is the habit of adding value. And we talked a little bit about goal setting and connecting it to your values, but the actual financial behavior around that is paying yourself first. And the, the, so if you can pay yourself, I always say start at 10% at least of your, put that away for your long-term needs and goals. That's the first place to start. The second uh, habit is a wealthy vision, and that's the habit of leveraging your unique strengths. So often, one of the things that we don't identify is what our real gifts are. What are we really good at? And then when you can plant yourself in a career or avocation that will allow you to really leverage and become an expert in those gifts and hone those skills. So that's the second habit of financially successful people. The third habit, and this is really, really critical and where a lot of our work goes, we create financial wellness programs for organizations. The third habit is called the wealthy appetite, and that's the habit of increasing your financial acumen. And if we even look at how complex things have become, and now we're responsible for having to choose what our investments are in our retirement plan and and make decisions around student loans and housing. That's why that financial acumen is so, so important. Deborah, I've I've seen those listed. Are we out of time? No, 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 no. We're we're not out of time. I was was just going to interject and talk about those 
having to select your own financial in the 401k where it says you can put 5% here, 10% here. That thing is more exhaustive than the McDonald's dollar menu. There are just so <laughs> many options. <laughs> so right, many options. and that was the other point that Ted Benna made is that he didn't anticipate that the complexity and all of these different investments and the fees that come along with it that the average individual would be would would be made responsible to do that, having no real knowledge of that, because where would you learn it if you don't, you know, and that's why financial acumen is so important. And then the fourth habit is called the wealthy focus, and that's the habit of setting and achieving goals. Going back to our initial conversation, you know, once we understand what's important to us, we name financial security, we identify financial security or or our faith, then we have to take those goals and make them a reality. And so one of the ways that you do that is by taking those very broad values and really narrowing them down to smart or specific actions with timelines because, you know, dreams are only, or goals are only dreams unless you put a timeline on it. And in fact, I uh, one so of the true. other things, if, if folks want to really see how that process works. A webinar, another webinar that I did earlier was called Wealthy Vision, the Wealthy Vision webinar, really showing people how to create those finite goals. And then the, the fifth habit is a wealthy mindset. And this is the pro- probably the most critical habit of financially successful people of all. And that's the ability to see problems as opportunities. You almost have to think almost the opposite of what most people are thinking because those are where the real opportunities lie, whether it be when the market goes down, not being afraid and understanding that now is when you probably need to be buying more. You know, if you think about real estate, the time to buy is not when it's up, it's when it's down. And because of the way we're designed to want to be secure, we do almost the opposite. And then the sixth habit is the, so where am I at? So wealthy folks, oh, system. And so one of the ways that financially successful people stay on track to achieve their goals is they make it systematic and automatic. And so really taking those goals once you focused on them and uh, creating what I call automatic investing programs where you have so much money being directed into those goals each month so that you're automatically achieving those goals. It's coming directly out of your savings or checking account because then left to our own designs, we usually don't follow through. And so now you have a fail-safe system that you created. And the last but not least is the habit of paying it forward. And that's really thinking about, you know, from a financial standpoint, making sure that you're looking at legacy, that you put things in place like your trust, like a life insurance and that kind of planning. But even more from a behavioral standpoint is passing this on to either your children or other people, this knowledge that you're gaining to other people in your family so that they're adequately positioned for financial success. And so that's sort of how the framework works, the seven wealthy habits. And that's the framework that we use in our wealthy wealth coaching program, all with the goal of people 
really coming out, having a plan through which they can execute from a position of knowledge and not ignorance. And I often say, Joey, ignorance is expensive because it is. <laughs> I've, I've heard someone else say uh, it's, a, it's, it's the stupid tax. Yes. If you don't know it, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a pretty expensive, like you said. And so knowledge is power. Knowledge is key. Ah, but I'm going to challenge you on that, Joey. Knowledge is not power. And that's the whole point. It's okay. Knowledge correctly applied is power because a lot of people are going well said, to listen well said, to your yes. podcast, but they don't necessarily execute. And the success is in the execution of, is in the execution of the principle that you're, you learn. It's only going to work because if it, it'll work if you work it, but only if it's applied. I like that. It'll work if you work it. <laughs> you should put that on a you should put that on a t-shirt Deborah. that i think that'll 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 stick with some folks yeah i hope so <laughs> well Deborah, it's been a pleasure and and everybody tuning in this has been Deborah owens america's wealth coach you can find her she's the ceo of owens media group she's got her own website at deborahowens.com Deborah, where can people find you on social media? And if they want to take the first next step, what should they do? So they can, on Twitter, I'm at Deborah Owens. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-O-W-E-N-S. On Facebook, it's the Deborah Owens page. On Instagram, it's I am Deborah Owens. The easiest thing to do is just Google my, my name. But if they really want to take the next step and they want to learn how to use these seven wealthy habits, go to my website, DebraOwens.com. And I would say probably the best tool sitting on there front and center right now is about taking the, we have a questionnaire or kind of like a quiz that'll tell you if you're on track for a successful retirement. And also, we have our seven-figure challenge going on right now. Basically, it's seven steps to seven habits, seven figures. It's a 21-day program where you'll learn all about the seven wealthy habits, and you'll even get a coaching session as well. So that would be the next step that I would encourage them to do. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Deborah, so much. And for those of you listening out in podcast world, make sure you go on our website and find out if you're on track for a seven-figure retirement. I see it here. I'm going to take this test and we'll see how it goes. I'm a little nervous, but you know what? I, uh, I committed to starting, uh, I've committed to increasing my uh, retirement contributions and I've got some tools in place to automate it, like you mentioned. And so I'll, I'll see how it goes. Excellent. Thanks so much. And everyone have a, have a prosperous week. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at JoeyVPriceHR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.BusinessLifeAndCoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.